cliffcentral.com. 360 Biz on cliffcentral.com. Welcome to another amazing segment of 360 Biz. You are joining us today on Cliff Central with Bulelani Bala Bala and myself. And you guys normally know that we're rolling with Utebu Homafodi, but right now he's out in the States entrepreneuring. But as I said, I'm not alone. I'm here with Mr. Balabala. Hey, Mr. Balabala, how are you? Hey, how are you? Are you good? I'm good. I'm good on this warm day. <laughs> I'm very good, primarily because when I walked in, I saw an avalanche of something that looked extremely good. Something I've been fighting for months. Something I've been fighting off at the gym. I saw food. We've got, <laughs> we've got amazing people today. Um, you know, amazing people today. Amazing. The thing is, I'm sorry, I keep repeating myself because I'm enamored by what's on the other side of the studio okay. glass on the table. I'm that guy, you know. My mother once told me that and it, it became a resonating truth that, you know, the lady's going to get to your stomach is the lady's going to get you. So, so you're born. Eva, so you? Eva, Eva. No, I'm good. I'm good on this beautiful day. I'm also very excited to taste all the food that we have today because we have four wonderful ladies that are not just going to share information on the food industry with us, but they're also going to feed us. So we're going to taste real good food. <laughs> so who do we have coming up first? So up first we have Wendy Ewurum. Did I say that correctly? Almost. Ewurum. Ewurum. Yes. Ewurum. Yes. <laughs> Wendy. <laughs> <laughs> Wendy Uwurum is the founder of Maka Princess Farewell Charity Drive. Now, please say hi to our listeners and tell us what you do. Hi, everybody, and thank you, 360, for having me to talk about my drive. Um, this charity drive is something that started uh, sort of spontaneously because I wanted to do something in the community with, uh, that is close to where I am. It's a very underprivileged community, mm-hmm. Zanspreit. And uh, in seeking something to do, I went to the high schools and I found out which high schools have a need. And uh, the Far North High School was the one that really needed help um, in terms of what to do with their matriculants and at this point it's getting them to a farewell and then from the farewell I'm working to do some workshops with them because my background is facilitation assessment and moderation in the in the workplace so just some polishing up for them to prepare to go into the workplace if they have to look for jobs or um, tertiaries and to get interviews and things like that so that is uh, what I'm busy with yeah, and I mean, of all the things that you could have done, looking as beautiful as you are, Thank why you. this particular thing? Um, I think it's a desire to make uh, a difference in somebody's life, a significant difference, um, because, you know, we all have a history. And looking at these children, um, I've been to the school and I've met them, and some of them come from child-headed homes. So you can imagine that they've never had a celebration in their lives that is pertinent to them and about them. So it was just one one thing that I thought this could be something that inspires a child to think there is more to life and that I can do for myself because there are people out there who care mm-hmm. about my circumstance and who care about who I am. And that is that was the primary motivator be, be behind starting the project. Okay, and I hear you referring to children. Um, does that mean you help both um, girls and boys? Yes, um, actually, uh, the title um, a mocha princess project is sort of like misleading because it started off as me wanting to dress 10 girls for the metric ball and then it sort of spiraled to the point where i'm sitting with you where mm-hmm. everybody just got involved and i saw a bigger need and um so i'm working as much as i can to just uh, find resources for 
all the kids. There's 69 of them in this class. So, I mean, uh, you know, I think a couple of months ago, there were tweets that were going around on social media mm-hmm. where one individual didn't see it um, necessary or important for young kids to go to um, a farewell or a matric mm-hmm. dance. I mean, how important is it for... I mean, young, young students to experience such a thing? I think it's not even so much about the matric dance uh, per se as celebrating a milestone, a major milestone in their lives. You know, we, we look at teens today and some of them by matric, they've got two kids some, and they've got less challenges than these children. They've got a mother at home, they've got a father at home. And then you come across these kids who have had so many uh, roadblocks in their lives and they still push through and they're finishing matric and they're going to, you know, some of them have bursaries already to university. So, so you can imagine how well they are doing. And they come from homes where the mother will sometimes pitch up once every two months to check on them. I've got a set of twins. They, they're 17 or so. These kids are raising themselves. And I think that's a reason to celebrate them. That is why, for me, this is so important. And um, one person, as you say, some people I don't see it as a necessity. One person said to me um, as a response to the ad, if it was stationary, yes, I would. Uh, but this is frivolous. That was the, 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 the message. And for me, I, I, I dug deep and I thought to myself, that's, that's, a, that's like telling my child, I bought you stationary so you can't have a birthday. Mm. You know, that those two don't match. Those are two separate things. This kind of thing inspires the human spirit. Mm. Um, as much as it's necessary to have the tools to write at school, it's also important to be inspired and motivated to do better in life and to know that there are people who care about your circumstance and want better for you. And, um, you know, when the metric balls are known to cost a lot of money. Yes. I mean, these days people go wild with yes. it. You know, just the other day I was reading an article about um, learners paying 10,000s of rands for metric balls. Mm-hmm. Now, how does this cost? Okay. Metric in terms of you? cost for me, and that mm-hmm. what I had in mind was that, and how I have been running it, is collecting evening wear that is gently used. From people who are no longer using it uh, So today it's no longer really Ball gowns per se, it's just something Like a cocktail dress that you're no longer Wearing that you can drop off for me at my local Church which is in Honeydew, Calvary Chapel um, the, the doors Are open for you to drop off whatever you have Costume jewelry, shoes that you know, you know You've worn them a couple of times, you don't need them anymore That kind of thing, men's suits You know, I've got people who have uh, con- uh, Who have uh, contributed Men's suits and those waistcoats, you know those Evening things that, that are um, quite elaborate that you can wear on top of a shirt and a pants and and and, and look made up. So things like that. Uh, however, there is a cost, which is why I'm making uh, I'm making the appeal right mm-hmm. now uh, to whoever is listening. Uh, I was not aware when I started. Uh, with the school that the, the kids have to make this happen. There is a cost of 550 rand that they have to pay in to make the event happen. Mm-hmm. And I found this last week and it was coincidental because it was when I, I got the invitation to come here. And so there is this 34,000 rand that needs to be paid for a venue or somebody who can sponsor a venue for these kids. Um, that would be wonderfully appreciated. And then now, you know, just sitting here, I mean, your cause, I think that the biggest thing that I always advocate, because um, it's an initiative that we run when we go to schools, yes. and one of the biggest things that we advocate for is experience. And I think that more than anything that gives kids um, a ginormous experience. Um, have you been seeing any support in terms of corporates coming to the party or government coming to the party with regards to this? No, not as yet. I have not. Um, but I have to confess, this is the first time I'm really speaking um, about this to a larger audience. It's, it's it's mainly been people who are within my social media space and within my church community. And 
they've really come to the party in terms of, I think we can dress 20 kids now. And I've got 45 to go of the kids. I mean, 25 to go of the kids that needed clothes. But then there is now this issue of this venue uh, and the food that needs to be uh, put together. So that is my my other um, part of the projects that I'm putting that I'm pushing out. Yeah. Before I throw it back to Leah, um, I think I think it's a great cause. Um, I'm definitely gonna support you, but Thank more you than so that, much. we'll put you through to some other platforms I can't mention here at home because I'll probably you. get my my butt kicked out. But we love the initiative. I mean. God bless you guys. Yeah, it Thank definitely you. is a very good um, initiative, and it's something that is actually close to my heart. You know that I also have been involved mm-hmm. in even. In previous years, so it is a great thing. Thank you. To do, Thank you, you know, Wendy. Um, but like looking at the fact that you're an education, training, and development practitioner involved mm. in all kinds of other things, mm-hmm. you know, um, where do you get the time? Well, um, I actually have quite a big family, and at some point in time, I had to pull back uh, to do consulting work mm-hmm. just to be able to raise my kids. And that's, I think that is why I also have an affinity for these children um, because uh, I, I think. F- children, it is so important for you to input into them what you want to get out of them. So that is why I made myself more available. And uh, consult because I'm consulting and I'm freelancing, it is not as hectic for me as it used to be when I was doing an 8 to 5. So I do I am able to plan around um, and facilitate this. Now Wendy, before I ask you um, how people get a hold of you, I'm reading the name of the scripture. What, what is it? Mocha? Mokashik. Mokashik. It, yes, it's. Everything <laughs> from your saying to the. What? It's, it's, it's actually a lifestyle blog about myself and my, oh. my, my family, my friends, and, um, I have an affinity for fashion, so that, that's the chic part. Mm-hmm. And, uh, loving being on of the African continent, that's the mocha part. Yeah, so that wow. is what my blog is. So, I mean, is. how do people get a hold of you? Um, you can, uh, uh email me. At Wendy at mokashik.co.za or my cell phone number. Can I give it? Yeah, well, well oh, you, sh- you, shall I or should I leave it? it? I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, I'm also on the blog, so you, okay. you are able to go to the contact page and I am able to then contact you. Uh, particularly if you want to give to the course, there is a page dedicated to it and a, a contact form that you can fill in attached to that. And then, Wendy, man, um, you know, women. You, you, I think what you're doing is now describe a social entrepreneurship. And I mean, you're an entrepreneur in your own right because you're yes. trying to advocate for these young kids more yes, than anything. What are some of the challenges you come across? Because I mean, someone is probably sitting wherever they're sitting mm. thinking it's just a rosy mm. and a smooth journey. You're speaking so eloquent, so you probably have all the funds. You send out proposals, you get whatever you need. No. What are some of the challenges you come across? Uh, I think uh, everybody thinks, oh, the next person will do it. There will be somebody who will give and they just, uh, you know, go on with their merry way and also sharing um, the project is a challenge you know you put something out on social media and people read and like a like is not as effective as a share Hmm. Um, you know so just talking about it and expo and giving it exposure and also the doing um, 
And sometimes people think that oh, I have to give something really elaborate. Anything that you would be able to, that would be able to help another child would be great. And also considering the fact that we would like to take this to um, those workshops next year, January, February, workshop these kids so that they able. You know, I found out when I was doing learnerships, if I can digress just a bit, that when we get children from such environments, it's hard to them to climatize to the workplace. So things like work etiquette, business etiquette, business communication. You know, for entry level jobs the, uh, giving them that base would be a good thing so um, you know contributing things like uh, printing paper as simple as that yeah. those are the things we're going to need to, to run the workshops and uh, maybe an overhead projector the school doesn't have one they've given you the facility to run the programs on a Saturday Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, Wendy. That Thank was you. Wendy. Thank Aw- you for having me. Yes, yes, you. <laughs> Thank you. That was Wendy Awurum from Maka Princess Fell Charity Drive. If you're out there and can help, please do. Thank you. Three sixty biz on cliffcentral.com. If you've just tuned in, this is three sixty biz at Cliff Central with Bulani Balabala and Vian Dondlo. Our discussion today is on young entrepreneurs who are in the food industry. Now, let me take this opportunity to welcome Off the Wall Pop Restaurant, Kanyam Zongwana. Pop-up restaurant. Oh, oh okay, excuse me. Uh, can you please introduce yourself and tell us what you do? Okay, what's up? Um, I'm Kanya. I'm a food entrepreneur, I'm a food writer, food stylist, and I own a pop-up dinner or a mobile restaurant experience with my boyfriend, Sakile. And yeah, we just uh, basically do things in and around Gauteng. Okay, and then in, with us in studio as well, we have Nogutula Ramokota, director of Cake World SA. Nogutula, Hi. Tell our listeners and tell us what it is you do. Hi, everyone. Uh, I'm Nogutula Ramputa. I co-own Cake World with my sister Utogazile Mashangu. Uh, we have a cake factory in Roslyn that started uh, last year in September. So it's about a year and a couple of months now. Uh, we bake everything. Uh, we make weddings from, I mean, cakes from birthday cakes, um, wedding cakes, everything. Yeah. Okay. And with us as well, we have the social hub from Pretoria. Can you say hi to our listeners and tell us what you do? Hello, everyone. My name is Masiho of Meals with Masiho, and I'm the co-owner of the social hub and the head chef of the social hub. Um, I'm Andy Lamboyana. Um, co-founder as well of the Social Hub and senior mixologist of the Social Hub. Okay, can you please just do that for us again? All right, sorry about that. So it's Andy Lemboyana, co-founder of the Social Hub and uh, head mixologist at the Social Hub. Okay, let's go back to Cake World, right? Cake World, can you tell us um, what inspired the business? Um, I did. I studied culinary arts, and my sister studied hotel management. So we started brainstorming Cake World last year in March, and um, we actually wanted to open a restaurant. But cakes uh, seemed more exciting and more appealing to us. So then we um, decided to then start a cake factory, and yeah. That, that's so I mean, what, but of all the things, I mean, what inspired, um, what inspired for you, what inspired you guys to go into this particular business? Because there was a great demand for cakes in the north of Pretoria, so we saw a gap there, and then we decided to go for it. Hmm. 
Okay, and then who is your target market? Uh, we have um, we cater for convention centres, um, and we have in house uh, working clients as well. So I mean. Here's the thing, um, you guys are you guys are in the cake place, but my instant thing as an entrepreneur is that I mean I'm a cake boyans and I'm a young kinda What is it about you guys that makes you guys different? Our customer relation. Okay. Um, we allow our customers to to go all out with their cakes and to like we make it exactly as they want it, uh, as well as our flavors. We have over 28 flavors in in our. Cake factory, yeah. So here's the thing. Like, I feel like you're unfair with me because I went to you guys' website and I saw some of the cakes. So you guys um, do custom bespoke cakes. So tell us a little bit about that. I mean, I think that to me, um, baking cakes is one thing, and then the artistry around being able to sculpt them into different shapes, into different um, products, into different things is a skill that one acquires. Number one, how do you get that skill? Number two, why that particular thing? Um. We learned that in inside the factory. Once we started, we taught ourselves every ourselves uh, how to make that, and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, creativity then Noctula is a big thing in your industry, right? So how does then innovation affect your business? Um, hence our slogan: "You think it, we make it." So whatever you have in mind, we make it for you. Anything. We make everything. So, I mean, um, do you guys come from um, a background at home that inspired um, cooking or the culinary arts? Yes. Uh, our grandmother used to bake. Uh, she actually taught us. But our love has always been on food. Uh, so that that's why we took our grandmother in. She also works with us at the factory. Uh, she does most of the – she creates most of the recipes. Yeah. Hey, Coco. Yeah. So I mean, wait, she's selling you guys these recipes, or she's just um, giving? She, she sells them <laughs> to us. <laughs> Have you thought of moving to other areas besides Pretoria? Yes, we are currently working on a deal in Bumalanga. We've also uh, we are also looking at going into malls, uh, opening small shops in malls, but uh, taking from baking from the factory, moving uh, cakes to the shops in the malls. Okay, all right. That's that's Noctula from Cake World Sisters. Right. Um Here in studio, we also have Okanya, right, from the pop-up restaurant. Now, can you just remind us what it is you do? Um, okay, well, we do events mainly mm-hmm. um, in and around Gauteng. We do food events. Um, my partner is Usa Kilengazi. He's a vinyl DJ. So he kind of creates... The soundscapes around all of our experiences And then um, I do a menu So we kind of collaborate in that way This year we were sort of thematizing it With like different like culinary rich countries around the world and stuff And we kind of got bored with that So next year we're going to be doing like really We're going to be doing a lot of different types of experiences In, in areas And we're going to be focusing a lot on uh, Soweto as well So... Yeah. Okay, can you just quickly just dwell on the pop-up part of your... Okay, well, basically what happens is we have this once-a-month event that we host. We sell tickets online. Um, we sell tickets online. We focus uh, mainly on social media. And um, we seat about 50 people. It's a very interactive dining experience. It's like one long table. And um, we usually do like a four-to-five-course meal 
and offer a drink and then there's a bar so it's it's a a pretty cool dining experience oh okay all right and then just tell me then as a food company how much pressure do other big food companies have on your business um not much really uh, because it? we're we don't really cater for the same crowd you know we don't create okay. the same experience so um, you know, we do get inspired by the way that they run their businesses and stuff, but we're not particularly threatened because mm-hmm. um, what we offer is it's small, it's intimate, and it's it's exclusive. So I think that one of the one of the biggest things about entrepreneurship is how quick you turn your sales um, more than anything. So I mean, I think for you, I think one of the questions I have is in terms of your sales cycle, how active is it? Because I mean, what you're bringing is not um, the conventional way of you know going out and having something to eat when they these um, restaurants and drive-throughs all around. So I mean, how hard are you are you guys finding it in terms of customer education with regards to this experience that you guys are bringing to the fore? Well, look, yes, it is very educational and it is um, something that we do once a month. But we've got like various streams of revenue that come into the business besides just the pop-up itself. Um, I'm also a private chef as well. I cook in people's houses. I do a lot of uh, food writing as well, which is another stream of revenue. And um, I'm a food stylist, so I work with a lot of magazines and I do a lot of food activations. Um, so it's yeah, it isn't easy because at the at the moment we're trying to um, we're trying to break into a new part of the food industry where. Uh, people are still getting used to the idea of this sort of dining, you know, and um, it isn't easy. Like it's, it is very much trying to put people onto this idea that you don't really have to eat at, you know, insert, um, <laughs> insert franchise restaurants. So. Yeah, and then I mean, what sort of uh, industry regulations um, you feel are out there that are kind of hampering you guys from doing business? Uh, not many. We kind of have this. We have this philosophy at off the wall that, you know, we're basically allowed to do whatever we want. You know, um, Sakile is uh, on the music side of things. And, you know, we always just encourage each other to to kind of break bounds and do whatever we want. So we don't let a lot of these things hold us back. You know, these these rules that they've created for us as as practitioners of food. And then, I mean, um, just take us on a mind trip. I mean, I like doing this, when, especially when we're doing interviews, so that, you know, listeners can understand, can understand the vision and thoughts behind what you guys are trying to build. I mean, take us to the next five years. What does, um, what does your business look like in the next five years? And what are you guys specializing in typically? Um, well, for us, what's really important is we're kind of doing it as we go along but what's really important for us is um is getting you know um the young black youth into the food industry in i mean not into the food industry but into you know the idea of eating we're trying to remove the class distinction from food we believe that everyone deserves to eat well you know everyone deserves um the experience that we're providing so that's why we're taking it to the doorsteps of of like Soweto, for instance, and places in Port Elizabeth. I probably shouldn't have said that yet. But um, yeah, so because um, something that's very important for us as well as a company is to kind of kill the idea that the places that we grew up in are kind of uh, not viable places to, to run business and to display our art and stuff, you know. Um, so I'd like to 
you know, hog this opportunity and invite you to my hood in Timbisa and come do this. I've been thinking about Timbisa. No, no, come through, man. Come through. I mean, we're running an initiative on the 25th um, Small Business Development, Innovation Development in Timbisa. We're going to have some high-ranking um, government officials. Come through. It'd be nice for people to get uh, and corporate as well so they can sample out um, some of the things you have. And even if you don't have products, come with some of your flyers and business cards. As a serial entrepreneur, you know you got a network. Yeah. But selfishly yeah. so, Timbisa is the second biggest township in South Africa. Come, come, come. I will, I will. <laughs> okay, let's move on then to the social hub in Pretoria. Okay, can you guys just remind us again who you are and what you do? Okay, once again, I'm Masiho and um, I'm the head chef of the social hub. Um, the social hub is in the heart of Sushanguve, which is not too far from Pretoria CBD. Um, our place is a... A food orientated place so More than just the hangout spot So yeah, that's about it Okay, and then What what makes the social hub Unique? Um, it's the kind of um, at, I mean, ambience that we have mm-hmm. Created, you know And the kind of food that we serve as well It's very different from The normal restaurants that you get From around the Kasi um, because in the Kasi you find like your normal African cuisine, so we actually serve that um street. F- it's a street food setup menu, so that um people don't have to always have to drive when they think of having like a good meal, you know. Mm. So that's what we're actually trying to give to the people in our hood. Yeah, and you know one 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 of the things I've noticed on your social pages is that um, you guys also have books, you know, in yes. your setup. You've got a lead read and I mean read and lead read initiative. Okay. Um, we're not um, mainly focusing on children only, but adults are also involved as well. We've got people who are donating books as well. Um, it's mainly there to, to just um, let the kids uh, be. More educated, you know, and not focus mainly on things from the streets. So, um, education is a really important tool in life. So, that's why we thought of having that initiative. So, I mean, you know, a relative question out there that I'd like to pose to the four amazing companies in the room. Um, and you guys could take turns answering this just so that we can, people out there can better yet understand the industry because it's useless if you come here and we don't educate. But we've got four experts that are zoning in different industries. What are some of the, what are, what are some of the barriers to entry that you guys are facing as, uh, you know, a small business growing female owned youth entrepreneurs, black owned business that you guys are facing in terms of the industry when it comes to this particular sector? Um, if I may add, <clears throat> Andy from the social up here. Um, what we've picked up is the fact that um, you need to have capital. It's it's very hard to get out there um, with a dream and no financial backing. But what we managed to do is made we made it work with what we had, right? So we we didn't um, crush our dream because we didn't have enough money. We made use with what we could get, and um, so that was the plan. We. If you check out our page, the Social Lab 012 on social media, you'll see we actually made use of pellets, you know, because those were easy to find, easy to use, easy to sculpt and reuse. Um, and then we wanted to give that township flavor as well, so we made use of crates as seating tools, you know. And people come back and they say, you know what, that actually takes me back to, you know, going to Gogo, you know, chilling and just relaxing. And we, we so we made use of what we had. So that was the biggest thing, capital, but we, we just... Um, overcome that barrier with 
helped using what we had. The lovely lady from Waikook, just say hi to the listeners. Hi everybody, I'm Matapelo Monso from Why Cook. Uh, so basically, I would also say just also being different because everybody's like, ah, you enter to take catering. There's so many catering companies, so it's just really finding your niche, finding yourself to be different from others. What makes you different, and just go out there and pursue your dreams. I would say. Um, I think uh, the fact that we do provide like an unusual sort of an experience is difficult for us as well. Um, it's difficult to sell. It's more, it's more, it's easier to sell spur, for instance. And I think what's more difficult, what's difficult for us as well. Another challenge is definitely, uh, resources. Resources have been a challenge because up until this point, we were, we established in, uh, June 2014. And up until now, we haven't had any financial aid. So, you know, it hasn't been easy for us either, you know, but, um, yeah, we're just trying to make this money. Um, I'd say it's cracking deeper into the market because like, um, to get out there, we definitely need funds and funding is something that's really scarce, especially if you're a very small business. So, um, it would definitely be funding and that, I think that blocks a lot of things. Mm. So another question I'd like to pose to everyone seated here in studio is funding. We know that funding is a very big challenge for any business. Have any of you guys received any type of funding? Social Hub? <laughs> no, we haven't actually, but um, we're planning on to. So, yeah, we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Uh, yes, we did. When we uh, first started, we got a loan. So, yeah, that helped a lot. Well, at the moment... Um I'm busy with J&B Hive and they're kind of helping myself and other small businesses uh, in terms of resources. And this is a very new thing. This was from like yesterday. So it's as recent as yesterday. But um, I got in touch with them and they're basically helping us with with all types of resources that we need. But like the only catch is that you actually have to pitch for it at the beginning. You know, you have to uh, put forward a compelling case in order to get whatever the resources are that you need. Um, yeah, I think another another big challenge is for black businesses is like when we do get funding, when we do get investment, we often don't know what to do with it. And businesses that are funded fail, you know, because they don't really know where to put the money, you know, for instance. So I think that's another big challenge. Uh, we've had investment in our business, not much, but yes, we've had a bit of uh, financial assistance from private companies. Yeah. But I think once your once your financial statements are right, that's like the crux of it to show your growth. I don't think the bigger challenge really is getting the funding. Is once once your books show what you want and you you very strong and certain and know what you want because I want funding. But what do you want funding for? Uh, I don't know. Mm-hmm. So that's the biggest problem. Get your fund. Get your books right. Know what you want the funding for, and people will. Gladly assist. Yeah. You know, while you're on that, I mean, it leads back to this, um, 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 um third round question. Cause I mean, you, I think that the biggest thing that you're touching on there is that not just for the fact that one is capable, but for the fact that the business is compliant, mm-hmm. is compliant, which is one of the biggest things. I mean, we want funding, but we are not compliant. I mean, there's a couple of things that everyone touched on when they spoke the authenticity, um, being unique, you know, in providing food and all that. And I mean, I think that one, if I'm able to join it with this, we're with what you raise right now is how important 
is it for you um, as a as a business? And I mean, we all know the value of um, the food industry in South Africa is huge. And I mean, with the food that we saw outside, we believe that you guys can have a huge chunk of that. But the biggest question that we'd like to ask is, how important is it for you guys to be very unique? Um, but I mean, I think that what I've seen as a consumer is that you, you see people trying to compete on the basis of uniqueness, but at a certain point, it becomes it, it doesn't become scalable any longer because you can't be you won't be able to scale it to a certain degree because you end up being the only individual who can do a certain thing because you're trying to, you know, be too unique. So I think that maybe if you could dispel this um, uh, this this myth that I have, can you be too unique in the food industry? And I mean, what is the importance of being unique and standing out? I think you can be unique and it's what one should flourish on. But as much as you are unique, I think the cake, the food industry lacks service. Like the, the professionalism in the, in the industry sometimes lack. And this is why you find that whoever goes whoever because of lack of of service, you know, uh, it's just the attention to detail put in it because we sometimes we want our food to be so perfect, but yet late. So it's just that thing of combining the two, being professional and being very unique with your service as well. Sorry, can we get that question again? <laughs> I think uh, I think a shorter version of the question rather is how Im- uh, how important is it to be unique and is there such a thing as trying to be too unique to the point where you lose your value proposition? Okay. Um well, you know, at off the wall, we don't aim to like try and shock people, you know. We're not we're not uh Though we're not that type of business, um but we do try and provide like a really Unpretentious food experience, um, in the sense that we don't try and we don't try and alienate people with with uh, flavor combinations that they won't understand, for instance. And uh, I do think that we are unique in what we do and and in the way that we, in our presentation, we're really unique. But uh, we also do try and keep it really home homely and authentic and and comfortable and approachable because for me i think that's the best type of food you know um food that's relatable and i think that you know your taste buds develop and you acquire all these tastes and stuff and you learn about caviar and all those things but i think that in terms of the flavors that people enjoy um I think we all develop that around like age six and seven, uh, what things we like, you know, whether it's sweet, sour, savory, etc. Um, so we do try not to alienate people by being air quotes too unique. <laughs> On our end, um, at the social hub, basically, um, we, we don't, um, agree with the statement of being too unique. I believe you, you need to, you create a niche market, right? So, La Pe, where we from, um, all the food establishments, you know, it's the, uh, local, typical spatlo joint, or you got your chesanyamas, and, you know, it's more of the same, you know, you either order it and sit, sit, sit there and it will give it to you, take away kind of vibe, or you grab it and buy it for yourself, whereas we're giving a complete dining experience. So you sit down, we've got waiters who cater to all your needs and everything, and yet you are eating street food. Mm-hmm. So you've got your burgers, you've got your uh, breweries, you've got all this stuff which she kills, um, yet it's a proper dining experience, you know. Um, sorry about that. So... 
I believe that's the difference with us um, as, as social, and that's why people come running because they don't have to no longer get onto the highway to go experience that, to go to your Brooklyn or whatever to experience a fine dining experience. We give that to them, and it's still comfortable. You know, you like Ooh, Kanye said, you it's unpretentious. As much as there's waiters and everything, you still, you know, I, I see how they address the waiters. You know, it's like, hey, my bra, how are you? Sure, you know. So it's you still feel at home, although you are being catered for. Um, I think unique, uh, being unique is quite important because it's what sets us apart. But what I realized is, uh, is a thing uh, from why Cook mentioned it is being professional. People are looking for that more than anything now because you could be making something unique, but if you don't deliver on time or you don't deliver quality or people are actually looking for good service now, apart from uniqueness, because we can all make cakes. I mean, the cake that I can make, I can put it on social media. Someone else can make the same cake tomorrow But being professional That's not something everyone has You know And yeah So I mean I've heard a lot of women saying that They never date entrepreneurs Your husband is here And he's obviously supporting um, entrepreneurship Sir just join us just for two seconds I want to ask you What has the experience been like Supporting an entrepreneur Uh it's 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 been a very nice experience. I'm also an entrepreneur, so oh, uh, so now we're in business together. So now she understands the late nights, like I do. Yeah, I think and I think good. I think the biggest thing is for the two brothers who are in the room. Could we all just give them a round of applause? Because not a lot of guys support women in business. Now, nah, guys, you can do better than that. Before. So the beautiful lady from Waikook ran away. It's your turn now. We want to know what is Waikook? Why Waikook? What are you cooking? Okay, okay, okay. So basically, it's why should you cook when we offer the service to you? So why cook? <laughs> so it's all about service. It's all about home homemade food that has like flavor, you know, that not like because when you go to a lot of restaurants, you find that uh, it, it like misses that homely flavor, that taste. So that's why cook is all about. Uh, we serve um, student meals. We've got student meals. So. Basically, students that are like in your Brahms universities and stuff like that. Uh, I remember when I was in varsity, I was horrible. I used to have slap chirps and bread and stuff. So a nutritious meal is very, very, very important. So that's the service currently we're offering to the students. And as well, it's December time. You know, everybody's hosting. So that's what we're pushing currently. And we'd also do like your corporates as well. But definitely, it's all about the homemade, lovely, like umsonk, as Yolanda would say it. So it's the both of us in business, Yolanda Nomoi and Matapelo Monto. Why cook? Just call us. Yes, and how long then have you been operating? Because we've noticed that you have, you're working with big brands. You know? <laughs> That's well. what your website says. <laughs> well, we've only been in business for two years. Uh, we, we, we work hard. Like we really work hard Even mm. like We're always on our phones Always taking calls It's all about service And it's all about referrals People that like you Will refer you And you need to just make sure That you nourish those relationships And just build them 
So here's the thing. You guys do amazing stuff. I've interacted with you guys um, before. Yeah. So, I mean, tell us why should we buy stuff from you guys? Because you guys do something amazing. You've got an amazing product. Tell us about that product. Okay. So, basically, what we, why the name Why Cook was that before anything else, we started off with cooking for individuals. So, you get home and you are tired and you don't have anything to eat. So, basically, what we do, we provide uh, five meals to you for the week. So, instead of that, now providing it to individuals, the individual meals will kick back again uh Starting next year, Feb sometime And then for now we've been just really focusing On on the students But really what's really set apart right now Especially in the corporate, people are just tired Of saltless food They just want food that really feels like Oh my gosh, this this Tastes awesome So basically that's what we push And not forgetting that We come from Like I come from a very big family So obviously Like one wrong mistake Everybody's going to be on your case Why your food is horrible So you always had that pressure To like Keep it up Even sometimes like Like your land on Or I would like Oh my gosh Something went wrong We like also try to like Kind of fix it And put that homely Pungent feel in it You know So like Chicken pastas is not something that we grew up with, but also to just make it a bit homely and not like just bland and stuff. So really, that's what we try to push. Why cook? Mm. <laughs> so we know we know that students can be very difficult, you know. But besides that, um, there are a whole lot of things that um, they face in terms of finances. Has it mm. been challenging? Maybe selling the idea to them, you know, um, having to pay for the service. Um, so what's great about the product is that we want actually students to pay. Mm. So if you're a group of six, you pay far less as if you an individual pay. Mm. So if you're a group of six, you end up paying like 200 rand a week. And if you're just buying for yourself, it's 325. So that like, that's a major uh, gap in terms of financials. But really not, not, not at all. I mean, they receive the five meals that are pre-packed already. And it's one starch, one protein and one veg because it's, Unlikely students would go out and buy veggies So it's just keeping it Nutritious for them Okay, like we mentioned earlier We've got a franchise expert in studio Who will give us and these ladies Guidance in franchise development And all the related package Elements that they will need Now, welcome Nicola Thank you, thanks for having me Can you please just share with us What exactly you do? It's um, We are small uh, Franchise um, owner operator specialist um, company. We specialize in franchise or development at franchise directions. So successful business models that are looking to expand um, and take the next scary step um, of entrepreneurship, if, if they're that way geared, um, we assist companies to franchise their businesses. So from the franchise feasibility through the expansion plan phase all the way to the package elements where we put together all the legal agreements and the disclosure documents. And um, But the first point really is that feasibility. Is this business franchisable? And it's great to mm-hmm. sit here with all this energy in this room and all these exciting ideas and um, these young entrepreneurs. And uh, franchising is not for everybody. It's in a very exciting business model. We're passionate about it, um, but it's really about evaluating a business and working out, is that business franchisable? Does it fit? Um, you know, you're taking the next 
the next step. You're shifting from from making um, a dining experience to putting somebody else into business and getting a return on investment for them. So it's a very different business. You don't flip hamburgers anymore. You make other people money um, mm. and hopefully help them make themselves money. Mm. Um, yeah. So then what factors do you need to take into account when franchising a business? So as much as, you know, there's been a lot of talk um, about uniqueness in the room. Um, and as much as you do need to franchise something unique, um, there must be a unique positioning, something that you're offering customers. There is also that element in franchising where you're looking at standardization. Is it something that you can take a proven business model and replicate it? And you can teach somebody else how to run that business and how to make it a success in a different area. Um, yeah, franchising is there's, it's on a spectrum from a very loose agent type arrangement all the way to the very tight business format franchises, the food franchises that you probably all, you know, um, are not favorable towards because you, you like a bit of food flesh, shall we say. Um, but there, there is space for, for different models within that spectrum. It's working out where you fit on that spectrum. How would it work? What are the, how do, how do, what does the franchisor do? What does the franchisee do? Is there a supply entity? Does your cake business become the central kitchen, um, to supply and become the hub to outlets in, in shopping malls? So it's examining those kind of things and obviously working out the profitability. A franchisor wants to make money, but so does a franchisee. And is there enough money in this pie for everybody to make, to make money in that business? Um, you mentioned a little bit earlier on that franchise is not for everyone I mean um, is there a standard in terms of who it would be for or is it rather more based on the model Look, I don't think Donald Trump should be setting up a franchise in his arms soon or Richard Branson. Uh, you know, um, franchising is really about finding compliance entrepreneurs. So when you're looking for people to join your, your business, you, you think that you're giving away control, but you've actually put everything in place so that it can be replicated. But you need compliance entrepreneurs, people who are willing to work within a system, um, who are willing to abide by the rules that you as the franchise have set. You know, and those rules are varying degrees. Um, a very tight business format franchise will tell you to switch on the milkshake machine at 11.03 a.m. Um, but whereas others give you a little bit more flair for, for local area marketing, for local produce, um, it may be a 70%, 30% ratio. So it depends on the business. It's, it's, it varies. There, there isn't a one, it's not a cookie cutter approach, if mm. I can use a food term. So, I mean, in terms of the local franchises you guys have worked on, um, um, how, how, how many, well, what's the success rate for local ideas that have been franchised that have gone, I mean, to Look, take over in, South Africa? In South Africa, most of the franchisors, um, we're looking at around about 700 franchisors in South Africa, um, and most of them are homegrown. Over 90% are homegrown. So we, we think um, of the, the young brands like KFC and McDonald's, but the majority of franchisor systems in South Africa have been born and bred in South Africa. A franchisor yet, though, takes a lot more t- a longer time to break even than a franchisee. It's, it's a capital-intensive process, a, a get-rich-slowly scheme <laughs> if you're a franchisor. <laughs> and then, I mean, um, how, 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 how difficult or rather easy is it for someone to get into this space? 
into the franchise all space. The, yeah, into franchise. Look, uh, the franchise all space is, and uh, as development consultants, a franchise all space is not something that people will typically fund. They have to have successful business models that almost fund that development process, so that you you prove your business model, you get it up and running. You have one, two, three company-owned branches, and in the in the beginning stages, those branches fund the franchise development. It's doing the homework, doing the business plan for the franchise all, and then you will ultimately get a return on investment once you start. Franchising is about critical mass. It's about numbers. Will you be able to open enough to recover the development costs of consultants and attorneys? And But it's about getting having all the ducks in a row so that you don't make mistakes. If you're franchising something, you don't want to be franchising something and changing your mind later along the line about the rules of engagement or changing the fee structures after two years because you should have charged 6% of turnover, not 2%. Mm. It's really something that needs to be thought out very carefully in the beginning before you embark on it. And sometimes we have clients who don't embark on it. They get to the end of the feasibility stage and for whatever reason franchising is not for them whether it's from a profitability perspective or sometimes just the fit on the on a culture of who can be a franchisor because those relationships are very important in franchising yeah um i wish we had a i wish i had enough time i'd like to invite you back on the show or the other show that i do um just so you can shed more light and uh, i think i think that you've got a lot to give i mean i've been contemplating about this but not too sure where to take my idea as well as an individual because it was a natural progression in one of the business that I run to franchise it. But I mean, as we wrap up the show, the culture of the show is that um, give us not more than 15 seconds um, inspiration to someone out there as an entrepreneur. And then just quickly, I mean, tell us where do we find you? What's your website? I'll start on my right. Okay, um, you can find the Social Hub on Facebook at the Social Hub 012, on Instagram at the Social Hub 012, as well as on Twitter, it's at the Social Hub 012, or you can email us on info at the Social Hub 012.com. Why Cook? Uh, you can find us, uh, Instagram, whycook underscore SA, Twitter, whycook underscore SA, uh, email info at whycook, website www.whycook.co.za, cell phone number 0820722097, whycook. Um, you can reach me on Off the Wall Pop Up Restaurant on Facebook, it's a page, and I'm Yulu Ishii on Twitter and Instagram. Y-U-L-U-I-S-H-I-I. And franchise directions, if you're looking for franchise development or franchise training, it's www.franchise, spelled with a Z, dot co dot za. Um, you can reach Kquald on 012-568-1072. Our website is www.kquald.co.za. And on Facebook, we are Kquald South Africa. And that's it for this week's installment of 360 Biz. Tina Manjo, we are going to eat, eat, eat. But thank you so much to all our guests and thank you to our listeners. 360 Biz on cliffcentral.com. Central.com